Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Aaron Chamberlain. Aaron is the bicycle sales and marketing manager at Maxis. And you might recognize this guy's voice because prior to that, Aaron was my co-host here on the Single Tracks podcast. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's good to talk to you. I, I don't know if uh, people out in Single Tracks land know or not, but uh, we we get to still ride together fairly often and we both live in Decatur, Georgia. So yeah, get to see you on a regular basis, but it's been a minute since I've been on the podcast. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and like, we don't, when we do see each other, yeah, I'm not asking you about tire stuff or at least I try not to, but <laughs> no, you're usually like riding really fast down the paved sections in between trails and I'm somewhere at the back wishing I had a cross country race bike. Yeah. That's my new year's resolution is to be like back of the group. Like I'm tired of being at the front because I, I feel pressure at the front too. Even though I know that there's plenty of people that are like, Hey guys, slow it down. But I still, if I'm at the front, man, I just feel like I have to go fast. Yeah. And then you got Paul in your ear telling you you're going the wrong way. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. Group dynamics. Yeah. So how are things in the world of bike tires? What have you been up to lately? Things are good. You know, it's been a crazy what three years two plus years i guess mm-hmm. you know like like everyone else we dealt with a lot of a lot of issues uh through covid with product availability and mm-hmm. factories being backed up and overwhelmed and you know shipping costs skyrocketing mm-hmm. uh but yeah in the last last few months we've really started to see things smooth out and yeah, it's looking it's looking a lot it's looking up for 2023 yeah. Yeah. You guys even managed recently to come out with a new mountain bike tire or an update to the forecaster. Um, and so, yeah, has, has there been a lot of other like product development stuff or things that you're finally able to get to now that stuff's kind of back to normal? Yeah, for sure. There, there's a lot of stuff in the works. Some of it has taken longer than expected because of, you know, the, the, issues I just mentioned, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're kind of back on track. The, the forecaster was, was our big launch last year. Uh, we'll have a launch coming up at, at Sea Otter for some new stuff. And then we've got a couple other things in the pipeline, not necessarily all mountain bike, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, new stuff on the way for this year. So it'll kind of be more, I said, more of a return to, to normal for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so talking about mountain bike tires, um, you know, in the past there was a lot of lot of change with like bike tire widths and actually i was looking back like one of the first podcasts we did i don't even remember i think you were here when we launched the podcast right and yep you yeah. talked to bobby brown when he was at maxis like about plus tires like that's how long ago that was and so <laughs> <laughs> clearly like fat and plus tire adoption like that stuff is peaked and you know things are looking pretty stable in terms of widths, is is that fair to say? Like at least on the mountain bike side, for sure. Uh, a lot of that has to do with rim widths kind of stabilizing as well. Mm. You yeah. know, we 
along with uh, the the emergence of, well, I guess really what probably spurred the emergence of the mid-fat plus tires, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. was the availability of wider rims. And mm. like a lot of things in the bike industry, maybe swung too far in one direction and had a little bit of a course correction. And now we're seeing rim widths settle kind of around that 30 to 35 millimeter internal mm-hmm. width. And that's yeah. what we're designing basically all of our mountain bike tires for the cross country stuff. Any new cross country stuff is mm-hmm. kind of aimed closer to the 30 end of the spectrum while the, you know, trail and all mountain enduro downhill stuff, whatever the more gravity focused side of the range is going to be mm. more towards 35. But yeah, that, that, that window of rim widths, that's what you're seeing on new bikes. That's what manufacturers are specking on their tires or on their, on their bikes. So mm-hmm. we, yeah, we've really seen, honestly, I mean, we sell very few plus tires any longer. We've, we've yeah. discontinued quite a few from our line just cause they, they weren't selling. I know people who mm-hmm. love plus tires are, are very vocal about it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's just, the numbers aren't there. So we've seen really that 2.4 to 2.6 range be the bulk of, of the, of the market by far. Um, and really, yeah. I mean, 2.4, 2.5 are, are the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I want to kind of zoom in is that like 2.4 to 2.6 inch size that like, so looking at like the minion, you know, those are available in like a 2.3 and a 2.4, uh, the minion DHF is like a 2.5 or a 2.6, like, does a tenth of an inch make a big difference to people? Like, like, are we at the point where we're like, okay, well, now I got to decide, like, am I a 2.4 guy or am I a 2.5 guy? Yeah, it, it really can because it's not just the width. When you, whenever you're making a tire wider, you're also going to increase the sidewall height. So you're increasing the overall volume. So hmm. the difference between, uh, you know, 2.4 and 2.6, while you, on paper, just a 0.2 you know, less than a quarter mm-hmm. of an inch in width doesn't seem mm-hmm. like that much. And in, in actuality, the the volume is, is a lot bigger. And you can see that if you mount up, you know, 2.4 and a 2.6 uh, next yeah. to one another, you're, you're going to see that, that visually at the same pressure, they're going to, mm-hmm. one's going to have a lot more volume than the other. And it also, when you're, you know, dealing with lo- a larger casing, like that also affects the, the knob layout, the design, like things have to get tweaked. Like maybe the Mm -hmm. actual knobs on, on a, you know, a 2.6 are going to be slightly larger than a 2.4 or something like that. So there are, there are, the differences are subtle, but they're there even for, you know, everyday riders like you and me, like we can tell that difference, but on the upper, you know, the, the, the world cup Mm -hmm. racers, they, they like having the options of, of two fours, two fives, because, um, you know, they're, they're very picky about their setups and, mm-hmm. you know, they can feel that difference in, in ride height. And that may be going from a 2.4 to a 2.5, maybe, you know, maybe for certain tracks, they want a 2.5 front and rear. Maybe some tracks are running a 2.5 front, 2.4 rear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, the two threes, we don't, that's kind of a leg- legacy size. I would say at this point, okay. that's, that's what, uh, two three is kind of like the old two four um yeah I, I would say that's what you know 10 years ago uh quote unquote like big 
wide aggressive tire was a was a two three but as we've seen mm-hmm. bikes get more capable trails and riders become more capable your trails get more intense you know the uh the the wider tires can really help there yeah i i seem to remember too i mean wasn't that long ago you guys had like 2.35s and stuff right and i guess we would round that up to like 2.4 but you make a great point like that's that's the answer is math right like yeah like you have to when you're talking about volume you're you're not tripling you're yeah cubing right cubing. so like yeah. yeah yeah so like a small difference in width makes a huge difference in volume and like you said visually you can tell that like you might not be able to tell you know, put the tires side by side. You can't tell that one's like wider than the other, but you look at them in profile and you're like, holy cow, like that's a, that's a big tire. Yeah. And some of it's clearance too. That's why we offer kind of the range of sizes. Right. Even like I said, things have settled down on the rims, rim side of things and the rim widths, but you know, most trail and enduro bikes these days are, can usually clear, you know, maybe a two five. Um, you know, I think like for instance, I have a, a Santa Cruz high tower. And I think their clearance is rated at two, four in the rear with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the, the maximum width that they recommend. So okay. that's part of it yeah. too, is like having that option for our, our OEM bike manufacturer partners that, you know, they have tires from Maxis that they can spec on their bikes and not worry about clearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like you're saying too, the width, can affect like the, the knob layout and the sizes of them and which in turn is going to affect the weight of the tire. And so again, like that 0.1 or 0.2 difference can actually be pretty big and people want to have those options. You know, some people are looking to save weight or, you know, they have different priorities in terms of what they're looking for. And so, yeah, it is nice to have all those options. Yeah. We know it can be a bit overwhelming with our line and that's, one of the things that I've been working on and pushing towards internally is just trying to trying to simplify our line where we can make it a little more streamlined for, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's good. It's good for everybody, right? It's good for you guys in terms of supply. It's good for consumers. Maybe the only people are the racers who are going to have a problem with this. It sounds like yeah, like they're the ones that are like, I need a tire exactly like I want it. And so, yeah, you guys sometimes have to do that. Yeah, ra- racers are are very picky, uh, or some of them can be anyway. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, do you think bike brands these days are doing a, a good job at specking tires on bikes? Like, do you work with many of those type of folks? And and like, what what are they looking for? Is it usually like weight and price, or or are they starting to get better at, at looking at performance as well? You know, I would say it's maybe a little bit of a mixed bag right now. I do, mm. I do see, especially more on the e-bike side, I would say mm. maybe seeing some, some tires that are kind of undergunned for, you know, for the intended use. And I would, I would prefer that they would maybe use something, uh, you know, a little, a little more durable, a little more robust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, it does come down to price. Um, I mean, the bike manufacturer is trying to hit a certain price point, and, you know, when you're talking about thousands upon thousands of bikes, the, you know, even the, the wholesale cost on, on tires, like a, you know, a couple bucks here or there really starts mm-hmm. to add up when you're, oh, interesting. Yeah, when you're dealing with those kind of margins. So yeah, a lot of it is, well, some of it is price driven. I think some of it is, 
and maybe more in the European side is like very weight driven. Right. I think uh, maybe to, uh, you know, maybe in, in the U S like weight isn't as big of a concern overall. Mm-hmm. But for me, again, this, again, this is kind of more on the, on the e-bike side. I mean, you already have a motor, like why not, <laughs> why not have a, right. a more durable tire that's going to give you a better, going to give you a better riding experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least from, from my point of view, you know, if you, ha- if you spend, shoot, I mean, what's an entry level e-bike these days, like $6,000, if you spend six grand on a, on a, on an e-bike and, you know, you go out and totally, you know, you bottom out your tires and you snake bite your mm-hmm. front and rear tires, you know, that consumer, that, that rider is not going to be mad at the product, no. the product manager at the, at the OE, they're going to be mad at, at Maxis for. Right. Um, you can be like, these Maxis tires are crap. I'm not buying these anymore. Yeah, exactly. So I think honestly, my, my view on the e-bike side of things is if you're, if, if you're on an e-bike, you should be running a dual ply tire, whether that's our, mm-hmm. our double down, which is our, our enduro casing, um, is mm-hmm. still a dual ply tire. We should be, either be running double down or downhill. Okay. Um, that's, yeah. that's my point of view. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause there is a lot of, I mean, I don't know if you guys are making e-bike specific stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's like, there is a lot of parallel between e-bike specific and downhill, like just more aggressive, higher impact type tires. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. And there is, you know, we are starting to see the prevalence of the kind of the lighter weight e-bikes starting to come out over the last year or so. And I, I think, I mean, I think those are really cool. I think there's a lot of potential there, but yeah, you kind of have these like slightly different categories, you know, how mm-hmm. we like to divide yeah. everything up into the, <laughs> in, in the, in the bicycle industry, just right. slice things further and further up. But yeah, I mean, some of those e-bikes, you know, it's, it's pretty common for the, the full fat e-bikes, if you want to call them that to weigh 50 pounds or more. And right. if you're riding around on a, on a, bike that already weighs 50 pounds before you even <laughs> hop on it. And you're, you're, you know, you're running exo casing, which is kind of our, our like base level of, of protection. If you're running that, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that seems to me like you're, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're asking little, for it. Little, you're asking for it. So yeah, <laughs> if you're, if you're running a, you know, full on e-bike with a giant battery on it. Yeah. Two ply. Yeah, that's good advice. And a lot of those, though, that that makes me think, though, that a lot of those are plus tires still, right? Are you still seeing that, like that that some of the e-bikes are being specced with plus? Is that like the big part of the market now? No, we kind of heard that early on that mm-hmm. that it was going to kind of be like how motorcycles are, how off-road motorcycles mm-hmm. are, dirt bikes, where you have a really uh, you have a smaller diameter rear wheel with a wider tread on it. And then you have uh, yeah. larger diameter wheel in the front with a, with a narrower tire. You see a little bit of that. You do see mullet, obviously mullet bikes are, are much more common, mm-hmm. but we haven't really seen the, you know, we haven't really seen the demand for, for 2.8s or even really, we do hear a little more for the 2.6, but it's, it's yeah, it's mostly that 2.4 and 2.5 that, that, the manufacturers want. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a, a mullet half plus, like you've got like <laughs> one plus tire, one regular tire. You got a big wheel and a little wheel. My goodness. But yeah, fortunately we, we haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah. 
So yeah, do you get like much opportunity to do brands come to you when they're specking a bike where they say like, Hey, we've got this like light duty travel trail bike, like what kind of tire would you recommend? Or do most of them come to you? Like they already know what they want and, you know, kind of feel like they're the experts. It's definitely a mix. You see, you see it both ways for sure. And then sometimes we'll get approached by, uh, an OE. It stands for original equipment manufacturer. That's what OEM means. So that's just the, the bike brands. That's what we refer to them as. So sorry for the inside baseball language there yeah but there are times where maybe an oe sees a hole in our line and they can approach us and they say hey we're working on this bike but you don't offer the exact spec that we think is ideal for this bike Mm -hmm. would you be willing to to build this tire for us oh wow yeah interesting and sometimes that could be in rare instances that would be an entirely new tread pattern typically that's not what happens but it could be uh, a width that, that we don't offer or a certain mm. combination of spec. Like we want you know, this width with this compound and, and this like protection. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just know too, like being someone who tests different bikes and stuff, that's always something that half the bikes I'm like, why in the world did they choose this tire? You know, I've got opinions about like which tire they put on a bike and like, is it a good fit for the intention of the bike? Like, I'm sure that must drive you crazy. Like just seeing all these bikes and like, you guys put the wrong tire on it. (laughs) Yeah. Some of that, some of that can be geographic, right? So Mm -hmm. if a, if a bike manufacturer, uh, you know, is tied to a certain area, like they may have an idea of what tire works on that bike because of the trails near them, where maybe on the, on the broader scope, that might not be the best for, for all their customers. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. That it's, uh, it could be more to it than just like, there's the right tire for the bike that it really does depend on the rider and where they're riding and all that stuff. And yeah, it's impossible to get what everybody needs. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think that's something that, I mean, I've, I've seen single tracks mention it a lot that tires are one of the easiest ways to, change the performance of your bicycle. Um, it's, it's r- relatively, uh, inexpensive way to, to do it. And I mean, if you think about it, the tires are the only thing that's touching the ground on your bike, mm-hmm. as long as everything's going the way it should be. <laughs> so yeah, if you have, and that's, that's a cool thing too. You can mix and match and you can, you know, tread up or tread down, depending on what your goals are. You know, I do that throughout the year where mm-hmm. in the winter, you know, we get a ton of rain here and the the ground is soft and, you know, it can be, it, you can have any, any variety of conditions in, in Georgia in, in December, you know, it could snow one week and then it could be 70 degrees the next week. So yeah, I tend to run a pretty aggressive knob tire, you know, front and back. And then maybe in the summer when, mm-hmm. Things are a little drier. The trails are running faster. Everything's kind of baked by the sun, and you know the the trail surface is like hard concrete. Then I want <laughs> something that's going to roll faster. So yeah, uh, yeah, I can I can get away with something with a less aggressive tread. Yeah, that's you. You read my mind. That was one of the questions I was going <laughs> to ask you. Like, since you do have access to so many tires. You know, I'm curious to know, like, how often you do change them up. You know, it sounds like it's generally, you know, depending on the season, but 
I mean, you could have like a really rainy week and then the trails are going to be wet for a while. And so, yeah, are you like switching to a, a more like wet conditions tire or or is it yeah just more seasonal for you? It's more seasonal. I used to be much more like that where, yeah, I would I'd just kind of nerd out a lot more. And <laughs> yeah, like you said, if it's OK, it looks like rain this weekend or it's been raining the last week and I know. I know the trails are going to be soft. I'm going to set a, throw a set of shorties on, you know? Yeah. Or even by the trail, like, like, would you say, True. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ride at blankets Creek and that's, you know, lots of dirt and pretty soft. But then if I'm going to go to like cold water and ride Gaza, am I going to put like a different tire on this good for rocks? Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to do that, but now, you know, I, I'm just more than anything, I'm just riding for fun. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of have, I have basically a, a winter setup and a summer setup, more or less. And hmm. yeah, not doing a lot of swapping back and forth, you know, unless something highly specific comes up. If I do, you know, get a wild hair and decide I want to do a race, <laughs> I'm, I'll change my setup. But yeah, typically it's, it's you know, minions front and rear in the winter. And then in the summer, uh, I've really been digging the minion DHF in the front and the, uh, the dissector in the rear. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of been my, my go-to combo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's helpful because I'm guessing a lot of people, well, one, like we said, they're, they're pretty overwhelmed at the number of choices that are out there. And so, yeah, like maybe focusing on an all round tire, like that's not a bad choice, right? Like, no, not at all. Unless you're a racer or, or you really are into it where you're riding like winter you're riding a lot in the winter you're riding a lot in the summer where maybe you want different tires but for most people like all conditions tires can be can be a good choice right yeah i think so and i think there's something else that goes along with that that's kind of you know you start to know how your bike's going to react you know you mm. when you're oh, you're very yeah. used to your setup and you're very comfortable with it you know you can adjust your pressures up and down as need be for conditions that's another thing that I would definitely encourage people to do is experiment with their tire pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, like if it's wet, drop a couple PSI, you know, if it's, if it's dry and hard pack, you know, add a couple PSI, it can make a really big difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great advice, right? It's not, there are so many different variables and, you know, choosing the tire is one of them, but then, yeah, like you said, we have control over changing pressure every time and, I don't know. Maybe that is that the big one. <laughs> There's, is there anything else we're missing? Like I need to wash my tires more. They get a lot of crud on them and like I don't <laughs> grip as well if I don't wash them. But <laughs> yeah, tire pressure is, is huge. And I, I think I think all riders would would do themselves a big uh, a big favor by experimenting with tire pressure. Just just a couple of PSI in either direction can mm-hmm. really change the the dynamics of your bike and for the good or, or or worse depending on again like where you are what you're riding what kind of bike you're on your size mm-hmm. we do get those questions people are like hey i live in colorado what tire should i run and it's like oh boy <laughs> we need a whole lot more information than that you yeah know? yeah so yeah definitely i i would say experiment with your tire pressure i think people probably tend to run probably too high of a pressure yeah. overall yeah but obviously you know there there are because it, it feels faster um you know at least on mm. 
if you're riding on the street or on, or, you know, you're riding on really hard packed trails, like mm-hmm. it can feel faster, but in reality, it's not, um, you know, the, the Nino Schurter method for, for checking your tire pressure is, you know, drop it until you hit the rim and then like add a PSI. And that's, <laughs> you know, honestly, that's not, you know, that's not a bad, that's not a bad way to do it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I would get it, get a good gauge and use it. I would say, I mean, I check, I check my tire pressure religiously every, essentially before every ride, maybe if I, you know, maybe if I rode the night before and I'm doing a quick lunch ride or something the next day, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get out the door and Mm -hmm. go, go hammer out a couple trails for 45 minutes. You know, I'm not, you know, maybe I won't check it then, but if it's been a day or two or, you know, I'm, I'm going to go up in North Georgia and, and do a big ride, like, I always check my tire pressure and, mm. and your, and your suspension, um, you know, your <laughs> yeah. pressures and your forks and shocks. I, that's one thing. I, I mean, it, it boggles my mind. I'll, I'll ask people, I'm like, when's the last time, you know, you, you check your pressure and your shock and they're like, huh? Like, oh man. <laughs> so, so never. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not even just like I squeezed my tire. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm surprised you don't have those like fancy valves that like, you know, you just like tap your phone and it tells you what pressure you're running. Yeah. You know, I've got enough gadgets and gizmos in the rest of my <laughs> life. I I do try to keep uh, the electronics off my bike as much as possible. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we just had Calvin Jones on the show and he was, he's jazzed about all these like, you know, electronics, like specifically the ones that are monitoring your bike, right? Like from a repair perspective. And like you're saying, you know, one or two PSI can make a big difference in how your bike rides. And so, yeah, I mean, that's something you need to know. And maybe a lot of us like that aren't checking, we go out and we're like, oh man, I'm having a bad day on the bike. But maybe that's just because your tire lost a couple PSI since the last time you rode yeah. it and you didn't check yeah, it. Yeah, it feels like, really draggy have... and yeah, yeah you just, <laughs> yeah, it feels vague in the corners. And yeah, it could be, like you said, something as simple as your tire pressure. So get a good gauge, get a, and you know, there's digital ones, there's analog ones, or mm-hmm. you, know, you can get a, a, a solid gauge for 20 bucks or less. It's not a huge investment. I would say don't. Unless you have some really high end uh, pump, the the gauge is probably super inaccurate. You know, <laughs> I don't have a I have an old Joe Blow, and I mean it's it's a great pump. I've I've had it. I don't know, it's probably fifteen years or something or longer. Yeah. Uh, I got it when I first moved to Atlanta in two thousand six, so it's been a long time, wow. and <laughs> and it still works. But you know, I it. it I pump my tires up, and it reads thirty psi, and I check it with my gauge, and it's twenty four. So <laughs> you know how to compensate. <laughs> yeah. So, so don't, don't, don't trust your, your pump gauge unless you, I don't know if you have a Silka pump or something like that. Some yeah. bespoke pump. <laughs> um, don't, yeah. don't trust it. Yeah. Double check. That's, that's really good advice. Yeah. Cause what is it about those gauges? They are not very accurate. I know I've got one too. I feel like mine's under. Yeah. Like, There's no way it's that low. It feels <laughs> like way more, but yeah, you got to get used to it. So another thing uh, that's new since we've last talked is gravel tires. I mean, gravel riding has been around for a while, but obviously it's exploded and there's all kinds of gravel bikes and therefore there's 
all kinds of gravel tires. So thinking about this, like you're a mountain biker. Um, so I'm curious to know, like what, what are the mountain bike tire features that are a good fit for gravel? Like what kind of stuff from, from mountain biking do you see kind of working well for gravel, um, that maybe wouldn't work well for road? Well, one of the biggest things we've even seen this on the, on the road side is just tire volume mm. goes a long way. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize that either. They think if they're, they're riding gravel that maybe they need some, some big aggressive knobs on the, mm-hmm. on the yeah. you know, tread pattern. And you really don't, I mean, if you're riding a lot of loose gravel, a lot of chunky gravel, mm-hmm. then, then, you know, that's when you want to start looking at some of the knobbier options out there. Mm-hmm. But if you're just, if you're riding dirt roads or, you know, really kind of small gravel, like really crushed up small, like pea gravel kind of stuff, mm-hmm. tire volume will go a long way. You could, you could get a, a slick, uh, essentially a tire with no tread on it, uh, no tread pattern, mm-hmm. a 40 millimeter wide tire. And that may be all you need, you know, mm. again, the tire volume and then running the correct pressure yeah. goes a really long way, but. Yeah, some of the some of the the features of of gravel tires are, are do kind of mimic those from the mountain bike side. You know, we have the semi slick option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the receptor in our line, and you know, most of the other tire brands out there have a have a competing option. Yeah, and that's where you have a, a, a more smooth center tread, and then a little bit of a side knob, and that's intended to be kind of a good all around option where, you know, maybe, well, maybe more leaning towards a, you know, like 30% off road and like 70% like on road or, or, uh, you know, dirt road kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been testing one like that, like a semi slick gravel tire and yeah, it's great. I mean, especially for if you're going to hit any amount of single track where you're going to want those like cornering knobs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's a great, it's a great option for, you know, for, for riders and, you know, kind of maybe urban areas like us where mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of your time is going to be spent on actual pavement, but you know, you are going to take that little side trail that cuts through the park on the way home or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something like that. Or maybe, you know, you do get out once a month and go do a gravel ride, but you're not trying to swap tires back and forth. Mm-hmm. A semi slick just a solid, all around option for gravel. Yeah. Um, and then from there you get into the Rambler, which is kind of our do it all. It's kind of like a 50, 50 split between mm. uh, gravel and, and road. Um, mm-hmm. That's the most popular, most popular tread gravel tread that we offer. It's the one that most of our riders are using at, at the big events. It's what they're using at um, unbound in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the do it all option. If your, your gravel bike is, you know, it's, it's more, more skewed towards gravel and not necessarily like an all road kind of bike. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Are you seeing people like, are people looking for stronger sidewall protection and stuff like that? It seems like that's where, you know, mountain biking, we've been kind of chasing that for a while. Everybody's realized, okay, like I want something with some pretty, pretty strong uh, casings on them. Like are people doing that in gravel as well, or is the weight penalty just too much? Uh, no, you are seeing that on gravel. And that's another thing I was going to mention. That's 
that we brought over from uh, more from the mountain bike side was uh, the EXO the sidewall protection that we offer mm. from our mountain mm-hmm. line. That's something that we also applied to our, our gravel line. So just a little extra, a uh, little extra material in sidewall, especially if you're riding in, mm-hmm. in areas with sharp gravel where you, you know, you're possibly more prone to sidewall cuts, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing, I was like reading some reviews, you know, customer reviews of some gravel tires. And, you know, it was like every third one, people were like, oh, these tires are crap. You know, I got a flat. And it's like, on the one hand, I don't know. I mean, they're gravel tires, right? So like you can't huck off of, you know, rocks and do a lot of the stuff you're used to doing on your mountain bike, even though we've been kind of sold that, right? Like we watch the videos and we're like, oh, sweet. You can ride it really hard and ride it like a mountain bike. But like, you know, there's a trade-off there because this is a gravel bike after all, and you want it to be fast and light and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. You have the obligatory annual video from some manufacturer where uh, they have one of their top riders ripping a gravel bike down A-line or something and whistling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I like riding like that, right? I mean, you know, if I could have a bike that could do all of that, like, I'm gonna, I'm going to try to do it, but yeah, at the same time, like, are they still gravel tires if we're designing them to, to stand up to that much abuse? Yeah, we are. And we, and we are seeing kind of some, uh, you know, d- definitely some, some blurring of the lines, uh, between gravel and, and cross country. Hmm. Uh, I, I actually, I think you've probably heard me rant about this, but I, I mean, I think gravel's great. I'm glad it's getting more people into riding. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy it personally. It's something, I've always kind of done even before it was uh, a thing, you know, yeah. necessarily we've, we've got a lot of great gravel roads in in North Georgia and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's been almost comical to kind of watch the, uh, the slow motion recreation of the cross country bike <laughs> uh, yeah. through, through gravel bikes. Cause you know, we had cross bikes and then um, you know, disc brakes, uh, the move to disc brakes really opened up a lot of, you know, gave a lot more flexibility to frame manufacturers and, mm-hmm. uh, opened up tire clearance. So that really expanded the options there. Yeah. So, you know, you get people like, Oh, this is, this bike is sweet, but you know, it'd be great. Like a little more tire clearance. <laughs> like, Oh, this bike is sweet. You know, it'd be great. Yeah. Like maybe a fork. Yeah. Like, Oh, a dropper you know, this post. fork is sweet. <laughs> yeah. A dropper post would be sweet. You know, it'd yeah. also be sweet. Like rear suspension. It's like, yeah, y'all. <laughs> y'all we are we already have this bike we made this yeah. bike already it's called a cross-country bike like right except but, the drops the drop bars man like yeah as long as we keep that i'm fine with adding all that other stuff because like to me it's just <laughs> it feels way different to be riding in drops than it does to it be does. riding like yeah. a straight bar bike and so yeah You're, to me i'll take all that stuff man and i will call it a gravel bike or i'll call it a drop bar <laughs> mountain bike i don't know like, but to go, me, yeah. it, it feels just way different to be on a different set of bars. Yeah. We've kind of hit a, a max, I would say at like the, mm. the 50 millimeter wide tire, but that's, that's <laughs> been, that's been, um, you know, where, where things have, have, have gone, you know, initially we launched yeah. our, our gravel line in like 38 and everybody's like, Whoa, like 38, that's, a, that's a huge right. tire. Cause kind of before that in the drop bar world, kind of a 33 
which is uh, what a what a cyclocross tire that was that the UCI mm-hmm. mandated that was the widest you could run on a cyclocross bike okay. was a thirty three. That was kind of like the biggest knobbiest tire you could get, and then mm-hmm. you know thirty eight, and then it was like okay, we need a little. So now we have forties. <laughs> And then we have 45 and 50s. And then kind of if, if you're getting above that 50 end of the spectrum, that's when it kind of transitions over to our, our cross-country yeah. tires. So, and, and, and we do see that, you know, there are frames that more on the, I would say more on the the 650 side of things, 27.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people being able to run a, a narrow mountain bike tire on their gravel bike. Mm. Um and there's a handful of bikes out there that can fit like a 29, you know, two, two or something like that. But those are kind of the exception. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what is 50 millimeters in inches? I mean, is that, is that two or almost two? I mean, it's yeah. Like you said, the next size up is mountain. Yeah. I think it's just under two inches is the conversion. Okay. Like, yeah. It's essentially if you ran, ran oh, one point nine six. So yeah, I go. mean that used to be a common mountain bike tire width was one nine five, right? Right. Yeah, a little pan eraser, the dart and the smoke, and the twenty six <laughs> right. by one nine five. Right. So yeah, people have options beyond fifty, but it's they're just going to call it a mountain bike tire. It's going to be twenty nine er instead of seven hundred. Exactly, and <laughs> obviously we've got we've got great options for the mountain bike side of things. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, some people have mentioned that gravel tires are like, especially tubeless, are harder to install um, than mountain bike tires. Is that is there a reason for that? Like, is it because they're not as wide, and so they're like you don't have as much flexibility and like you know kind of rubber to work with, or, or is something else going on there? Yeah, I, th- I think that's part of it, and and generally, um, you know, there's just a lot. There, there's less material and the, mm-hmm. you know, the casing can be a little bit lighter weight. So it's just not, uh, it's, it's not as even before it's mounted, it's like a little floppier, right? So it's like harder, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you're just using a, a floor pump. Yeah. Um, it can be kind of a, a frustrating experience for sure. And I, mm-hmm. I know that from my own, my own experience. And that's, why <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I asked for a, a compressor for Christmas last year and got mm-hmm. one. So oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, that definitely helps. Yeah. Don't typically need it for the mountain bike stuff, but yeah, for the, for the gravel, a compressor can really help. So if you don't have one at home and you're, and you're struggling, um, yeah, I recommend maybe taking a visit to your local shop and seeing if they can snap it on there for you real quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was going to say like most Max's tires, I don't need a compressor and yeah, able to do a floor pump. And then the ones that you do, like compressor is not even easy, right? <laughs> like I've had so many that like even a compressor won't work. And so it's like, it's not you, it's them kind of thing. So so I want to get down into the weeds a little bit here. You and I had a conversation over email about uh, this number called threads per inch that a lot mm-hmm. of... Um, it's a spec that you'll see on a lot of tires when you're shopping uh, as abbreviated TPI threads per inch. So like generally, what does that number tell us? And like, what does the high TPI mean versus like a low TPI? So TPI, that's like you said, threads per inch. So that's if you take uh, one square inch of the casing material 
and you counted the threads in it, you'd, you'd have, you'd get to that number. So the, the main two casing materials that we use are 60 TPI and 120 TPI. Okay. Uh, that's on the bulk of our mountain line. Um, mm-hmm. We do on the, on the road side of things, um, we do offer 170 TPI tires uh, and we do like some team issue only uh, stuff in 170 TPI that's not available in the, in the aftermarket. But Hmm. basically, so if you think about, you know, you have these two, two squares of fabric, one's a 60 TPI, one's a 120 TPI. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're occupying the same space, right? You have mm-hmm. one square inch of each. So to get 120 threads into the same square inch, those threads need to be half as small as oh, okay. the 60 TPI. So the individual It's not like threads, a tighter weave. I, I assume maybe you could also do a tighter weave, but actually that's not it. It's the thread sizes what you change. Correct. Yeah, so the threads themselves, the individual threads are much finer. And what that does is it's 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 lighter weight mm-hmm. and it's a it's a lot more flexible. So um, that if you had all, all else being equal, if you had a 60 TPI tire and 120 TPI tire, the 120 TPI version is going to be lighter and it's going to conform to the terrain better. Okay. But the the trade off there is is the main trade off being durability. Um, you know, yeah. the, the 60 TPI, since those individual threads are twice as large, they're going to be, uh, more durable than that, mm-hmm. than those in that 120 TPI casing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, where we were, um, discussing this over email was with a lot of tires. Now you have multiple layers of the casing, right? So, so how does that play into it? Like if you have two layers of 60 TPI or two layers of 120, like how do you then, I don't know, describe that. And, and it seems like too, the, the real problem is it's not consistent, right? Is that, is that kind of the situation? Yeah. So, so where it can, where it can get confusing is, are we talking layers? Are we talking plies? Mm. And, and if the, the way a mountain bike tire is made is like, let's say you start with that, single piece of 60 TPI casing, you, you add the beads in and then you fold that layer of casing over those beads. Uh, So if you, if you cut the tire apart, you'll actually see there's one, two, three layers of casing, but it's all Mm. that same piece of a hundred or uh, that same piece of 60 TPI casing. Now, when we talk about plies, we're starting with, so when we say it's a dual ply tire, we're starting with two plies of that casing material from the get go. So mm. like for our, our downhill stuff, that that's two layers of, or two, two plies of 60 TPI casing. So, okay. so you add the beads, you fold that over all of a sudden, instead of having the three layers of 60 TPI casing, you would have mm-hmm. six, if that makes sense, because you started again yeah. with the two pieces. Yeah. Um, so that's where it can get, you know, it can get a little, uh, uh, yeah. We're going to get into the weeds here. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the manufacturers can kind of fudge that and they'll, they'll call, you know, they'll say that's their standard. What we say is our 60 TPI version. Mm -hmm. They'll call that 
180 TPI. Right. Which that's where it was confusing. And it's like, that's should be a really lightweight, like supple tire, but actually it's, it's 60, which is the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. That, I know you've probably heard me say this, but my, my favorite way to describe it is it's like, you know, it's like trying to take a $20 bill and you fold it in half. And then you say you have 40 bucks. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. You still there you have. Go. That's easy. Yeah. Easy math. Yeah. Don't work. So yeah, if you think about if you think about it that way, like a, a dual ply tire, you would start with two twenty dollar bills, and then mm-hmm. you'd start folding them, and yeah. then you'd start lying about how much money you had. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate because I mean, for me as a product reviewer, like that number is is helpful to understand like the intention of the tire and you know kind of what to expect. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not consistent. Um, so you kind of got to dig into that and look at it pretty closely. Yeah. And like you said, looking at the weight, it can, can be a pretty good indicator. Mm. Um, if you're like, yeah, like, whoa, this thing's 180 TPI and also the intended use. If it's, if it's a, some big knobby trail tire and they say it's 180 TPI <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that seems, that seems a little maybe contrary to what you would think yeah. the intended use of such a, a high TPI casing would be. That could definitely be an indicator. And then, like you said, the, you know, the weight, if it's, you know, a thousand gram tire, then mm-hmm. it's probably not right. Like 180 TPI. Um, yeah. You know, it's a 60 and 60 is, you know, that's, that's pretty common. Um, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of like the, the, the default casing mm-hmm. uh, TPI count for, for most tire manufacturers. Yeah. Yeah. 120 is going to be more toward the XC end as far as motorbike tires go, right? Correct. And so, yeah, like I was saying, our, our downhill is, is starts with two plies of, mm-hmm. of that 60 TPI casing, our double down, which is our enduro casing that starts with two layers uh, or two, like, sorry, see, it's confusing. <laughs> um, that starts with two plies of 120 TPI casing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the idea behind that is again, as we talked about the, the higher TPI casing is going to be more supple. It's going to offer a different ride feel. It's going to conform to the terrain better. Mm-hmm. There is, there's not a big difference in weight because there's some other things going on inside the dual ply tires. There's, uh, you know, there's uh, additional sidewall protection and that sort of thing. Um, so there's not a big difference from us in terms of our double down to downhill. Mm-hmm. But the the ride feel is what you're going to notice, and okay. the the double down is going to be more supple, where the downhill is going to be uh, it's going to give you more damped ride quality, uh, okay. so more muted. Which when you're you know again, it's intended for for downhill. It's and you're smashing into things really fast. Like mm-hmm. you want that muted feel. Um, Whereas maybe that's not as desirable if you're riding enduro, and some of that right. comes down to again to personal preference, uh, rider type, body weight, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking too now. Like maybe it makes sense to divide by the number of plies to get the TPI, like the effective TPI, right? So if you got two plies of of sixty, then that's kind of thirty. I don't know. <laughs> At least that way the scale is like going the right direction where you're like, okay, lower number means that it's going to be a, a stronger, more durable tire. Yeah. You do see that in, in outside the, the bicycle market, but like in, 
in the automotive and, and power sports, you do see ply ratings. Mm. And what that essentially is, 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 um, it's like a, it's saying this is equivalent to like an uh, eight ply, like it says that this is an eight plate, eight ply rated tire. That's saying, however, that tire is constructed, regardless of how many actual plies are in there, it's as strong mm. as an eight ply tire. Whereas, cause you know, uh-huh. adding plies, you're adding weight that's adding, you know, it's making things more rigid. It can impact the ride quality. So there is some of that, I, I, you know, I don't know what the, the answer is, uh, you know, <laughs> for mountain biking, I think, um, you know, like we, like how we do it, I would, I think that's honestly, that's probably the best way to go. And we, yeah. we call that out in our, um, you know, in our, our tech descriptions and stuff that mm-hmm. we, we do our TPIs based on, you know, <laughs> one ply of casing, right. one yeah. layer of casing. We're not counting those overlaps. Yep. Makes sense. So yeah, talking about tires and how they're constructed and like all the different layers. Yeah. I mean, they, they seem like they're pretty simple things. It just seems like it's, it's a big like block of rubber, but it's not. And one of the things that people are not sure about is like, how do you dispose of worn out bike tires? Is there like, what do you personally do? Cause I'm sure you go through a lot of tires. Like what do you do with yours? Throw them in the trash? Well, I, in my particular instance, I'm able to take them to our office to dispose of them. Okay. Um, we have uh, what's called the Maxis Tech Center. That's where some of our engineering team is. It's right across the street from us. Mm. And um, they, you know, they're, they're constantly uh, testing tires mm-hmm. and cutting tires up and all that kind of stuff. So they, there's, you know, we have uh, basically, uh, I mean, a dumpster essentially <laughs> um, where, where once it fills up, we call, a company that takes them to wherever they take them. Honestly, I don't know what, to, what right. they're doing with them. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, like I mentioned, we, uh, you know, via email, we, there's not a great answer right now. Um, mm. I, you know, I wish I had, had better, better news for everyone out there, but it's, it's really hard to recycle tires. And mm. I would, as a first step, I would suggest reaching out to your, your local shop and seeing if it's, anything that they offer. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I know here in the Metro Atlanta area, we have charm, which is the center for hard to recycle materials where you mm-hmm. can, you can take paint, you can take old computers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe um, if, if you don't have a, a bike shop that offers something like that, then see if, if something uh, a, a recycling center is available around you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there are uses for recycled rubber and tires, right? I mean, you see like they can surface tracks or playgrounds and stuff, but yeah, it's not clear. Like where, where are they getting that stuff? Like, you know, I would assume maybe with car tires, there's like an established kind of like, you know, supply chain for that stuff. There is. And anytime you, anytime you go to get new tires, you'll see that disposal fee. If you go to, your, your local shop and mm-hmm. get a new set of tires on your car. Uh, part of that, if you look at the breakdown on your bill, almost always there's, there's some sort of fee for disposal of the tires. Yeah. And there are some, some uses, like you said, you can surface tracks and playgrounds, but you know, that there's only a, there's a finite number of 
tracks and playgrounds that need (laughs) surfaced. Um, and you know, trying to break a tire down back into its individual components. I mean, it takes a lot of, a lot of chemicals, a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very involved process. So like I said, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I'm sorry to say we don't have a better answer for right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because I just saw at the consumer electronics show that Goodyear uh, was, you know, telling about some tire technology that they're testing, like using eco-friendly materials like soybean oil and pine tree resin um, to make the tires. But I mean, isn't rubber, it already comes from a plant, right? Like it's already a natural material. That's not the problem, is it? Well, uh, natural rubber is only a small component of hmm. of the tire as a whole. There's a lot of other things that go into the into the tire. I mean, there's a lot of oil in there. Um, you right. have... And I'm sure theirs too. Like they're, oh, <laughs> they're not yeah, just making absolutely. it out of like pine tree sap. Like it's no. you know, putting a bunch of stuff together and boom, like you can't recycle that anymore. Yeah. It's definitely something we're, you know, we're aware of as, as, as a company as a whole, you know, beyond Mm -hmm. just bicycle and there, you know, there are things that, that we're looking to do and things we're looking to change. And, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is unfortunately the spot we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, like for folks who are concerned about that, like, you know, I mean, the biggest thing seems to just be like, choose tires that are going to last longer, right? So you don't need the stickiest rubber that you can get that's going to wear out after a season. Like, you know, if you if you want to reduce your waste, then maybe think about like a, a longer lasting tire. Yeah. Or offset it in other ways, you know, maybe, you know, yeah. ride more, walk more, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so last question I want to ask you is, um, about trends that you're seeing. And we talked about, uh, the pro riders and like how they kind of have a different, um, different view of tires and like how they use them. Are you seeing things that pro riders are asking for that like maybe aren't, um, in the mainstream market yet, but maybe we will see soon. Yeah, possibly. Like I like I mentioned, we do have, we have a, a a launch coming up at Sea Otter. That's in April. That we're mm-hmm. we're really excited about that. Um, so some new uh, new things, more on the tech side, coming there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we we do get like I mentioned, we make 170 TPI versions of some of our mountain bike tires for mm-hmm. our top race teams. So this is your, you know, your Kate Courtney's, your Nino Scherter's of the mm-hmm. world. Um, yeah. uh, but they're, 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 they're harder to make. Um, they're kind of prohibitively expensive and, mm. you know, to be honest, they're less durable. Cause again, going back to our TPI conversation, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the higher thread count means those individual threads are smaller, smaller threads means, you know, relatively lower durability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like these things are just going to disintegrate, but, um, you know, they're more of a, of a race day only kind of thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you're going for your 10th world championship, um, you know, all those things, uh, <laughs> all those marginal gains, like that's what it's about at that level is marginal gains. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. we haven't really seen, we haven't really seen a good, uh, 
I don't hate to say it, like business case for making those tires available yeah. Yeah. Um, in the aftermarket, uh, you know, because up until we offered the 170 TPI stuff, I mean, <laughs> our riders were kicking ass on the 120 as well. So yeah. um, for, for even elite level athletes, you know, 120 TPI is, is uh, an excellent option. Um, then on the downhill side, you know, we have seen uh, in the last couple of years, really, uh, probably, well, actually probably last, I don't know, four or five years, um, the tracks have just gotten even more insane than they were. Mm. People are going faster than ever before. Yeah. And we have started offering, you know, modified versions of our downhill construction to mm. our to our teams Um where previously that just wasn't something that was that was needed before. Where you know you and yeah. you or I could go into a shop and and buy the same tire that you know Greg Menard is mm-hmm. running on his bike. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. Um, you know, the we we are adding like uh, it's a material we call ZK, and it's actually borrowed from our 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 road line. Um, ZK is a it's it's like the probably the lightest I, I believe it is the lightest puncture protection that we offer so it's mm. a really durable material really light but it's really expensive uh <laughs> it's really hard to work with mm-hmm. um so that's why at this point it's like a team only thing and, and you'll see okay. that you've probably seen spy shots from from the races of of uh riders on our our prototype tires um they'll often be a, mm-hmm. a test pilot badge on the side of the tires and that means that they could be testing a new construction or a new compound or something like that but yeah is so is that is that though what's what's driving people wanting to use zk like is it because it's lighter or is it because it's better protection like what's the problem they're trying to solve like fewer flats fewer flats yeah so so we're using the zk so it's stronger it's stronger correct so we're using that stronger and lighter yes um (laughs) and well it's lighter than other options that we have currently like other Uh, puncture protection materials so it's actually you're adding material to the downhill tire so a tire with zk a downhill tire with zk and it is going to be heavier than our standard downhill tire but gotcha yeah. It's it's the lightest material we have currently that we could add to add puncture protection. And that's used as a breaker. And a breaker is a layer of material directly underneath the tread. So basically you have hmm. kind of three options for um, your tire protection that you can do. You could have sidewall protection. That's like our XO. Um, you have a breaker, which is under tread, like I just mentioned, like the ZK. Or you could add an, a layer from bead to bead. Um, okay. So, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen the need or the, the request to, you know, for like more bead to bead, because again, if you're adding stuff to the sidewall, that's going to impact like the damping of the tire is going to impact the ride feel. Yeah. And that, again, that's not always something that's desirable. Um, so if you add mm-hmm. a breaker just to the top of the tire, um, especially something as like light and flexible as ZK, like you're not impacting ride quality, um, Hmm. nearly as much as you would be if you're adding stuff to the sidewalls. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, this flats and puncture protection, that's definitely something that 
you know, regular writers and the pros alike are both going to want, right? Like sometimes, like you said, sometimes the pros have needs that the regular people don't, but yeah, I mean, everybody I talk to is just like, I will do whatever it takes to get fewer flats. Like I'll run a heavier tire. I'll pay more. I'll, you know, yeah, do a long list of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and along those lines, um, yes, if you're, if you're but going back to our, our discussion earlier on tire pressure, if you're, if you're getting a lot of flats, that that's where I would start <laughs> is number one is your tire yeah, pressure, more, more pressure. More pressure. Yeah. Um, it's going to, it's going to protect your, your tires. It's going to protect your wheels. And then if you're, if you're still having issues, you know, cause there is a, there is a, a certain point where you reach, you know, diminishing returns where if you're having to pump your tires up to 35 PSI and you're getting bounced all over mm-hmm. the trail, like that's, that's not an enjoyable ride for you. So right. maybe at that point I would suggest stepping up to the next level of, of mm-hmm. casing durability, whether that's from us or, or the competition, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, Obviously, I would prefer if you ran Max's tires, but <laughs> yeah, you'll be much happier. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if, if you know if you're on XO tires and and you're having issues with it, and you know you you've played with your tire pressure and you can't find a a, a happy spot, then you know mm-hmm. try our XO plus. Um, you know, and you know from there we have double down and then downhill above that. So yeah. That's a good point, right? You kind of you're figuring out like Nino says, you're figuring out what you can get away with. You know, you don't want to start at the very top and just be like, I'm going to get this cuz I don't have to worry about it, but yeah, you're probably missing out on like ride feel and some of the other things that yeah. Yeah. You could you could have if on a much lighter tire. Exactly. And don't and you know, don't be afraid to to you know, mix and match either. I would say if you I I think uh, you know, find some wood to knock on real quick, but, uh, you know, <laughs> front flats are typically a lot less common than rear flats. Right. So I think mm-hmm. most riders can get away with running a lighter casing tire on the front and then running, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a more durable tire on the rear. So yeah, you know, maybe, that's great advice. yeah, maybe, uh, maybe start there. You know, if you're like, Oh, I don't, don't feel like you have to run, you know, double down or downhill tires front and rear, like, um, yeah, maybe you can run a step or two below in the front and be all right. Like I can, even though I'm, you know, I'm a bigger guy, I can get away with running. Um, unless I'm just, you know, if I'm going, you know, on a trip somewhere and I want to, I want to be absolutely sure I'm not going to have issues, then I'll run something mm-hmm. more durable. But for around here, like I can get away with running an XO tire in the front and then like an XO plus or um, a double down in the rear. Yeah. It's interesting too. I feel like maybe I'm just self-conscious, but I feel like there's, there's tire shaming out there, right? People are like, what pressure are you running? And no matter what you say, they're like, ah, that's too high. And then also same with the, with the casing, you know, I, I like the XO tires Those work for me generally. Um, and people are like, oh no, you must not be riding hard enough or, or whatever. I feel like your ride style has something to do with it too, right? Like some people, just looking at them, watching them. And we're not talking about pros talking about just regular riders. Yeah. Some people like they're hard on their tires. Absolutely. You know, they could be going the same speed as, as the other guy, but you know, some people are just smashing whereas other people are kind of floating. Yeah. Yeah. And some people learn from that. I had to personally, I used to just absolutely destroy tires and wheels back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was also, 
you know, this is shoot 20 years ago. So I think tire technology has come a long way. Tubeless technology has obviously mm-hmm. come a really long way. It's been really helpful in that regard. But yeah, yeah, for me being like a, a broke college kid at the time, it was just a matter of <laughs> like, you got to learn how to ride smoother or you're not going to be doing this much longer because I can't afford to keep replacing these rims, you know? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Riding style is, is huge for sure. Um, you know, like your, yeah, like your technique, your body position. Yeah. You got to lift up that rear wheel a lot of times, right? I mean, you can't just smash into stuff because yeah, you're going to get a flat. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, this is, this has been awesome. Covered a lot of stuff that I was like, yeah, I mean, seems obvious, but yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear it. So um, yeah, thanks. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I, I'm happy to do it. And uh, yeah, I hope, hope people found the, uh, the information useful. Yeah. Well, you can check out some of the tires uh, that Aaron was talking about and some of the tire tech as well that Maxis uses uh, on their website, maxis.com. And look for the bike section because they make other tires too. Yeah. I would also just uh, throw in there, uh, follow us on social media. Um, we do have uh, a dedicated uh, Maxis bike Instagram account. Um, and, you know, we're, we're always there posting, you know, posting updates about all our teams and athletes and what they're up to. And it's a good place to reach out to us. Um, you know, either slide into those DMs or, or, you know, <laughs> comment on something if you have a question, but, uh, yeah, here to help if anybody needs anything. Awesome. Yeah. It's a great resource. Well, that's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.